Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. My mission is to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real-life tactics, and favorite tools to inspire and empower you, mommy, to get the most out of life every single unpredictable day. So grab your headphones, tell your kids you're on the potty, and tune in weekly for some laughs, knowledge bombs, and plenty of real talk with real moms, and maybe a dad or two. Welcome to the Mommy Pod. Hello, and welcome back to Mommy's on a Call. Today, I'm bringing to you the parenting mentor, Sue Groner. She helps parents to reduce the everyday stress and anxiety that inevitably comes from parenting by providing strategies and skills to parent with more sanity and joy. She also recently released a book called Parenting with Sanity and Joy, and I'm so excited to speak to her today because we have discussed all things parenting, and I'm going to be on her podcast also talking about just how to deal as a parent right now, especially having kids during a pandemic. So welcome, Sue, to the show. Thanks. Happy to be here. I'm really excited because a lot of our audience needs your brain right now. They need your help. So, but before we get started, I want to ask, what is your biggest mom win of the week? Oh, wow. You know, my kids are 21 and almost 24. So I will say, I guess my biggest win was my daughter graduating from grad school on Friday with two master's degrees, one in genetic counseling and one in bioethics. And while it's not my win personally, it just made me feel really good. And, you know, I even hate to say proud, but I was, she was so proud and I felt so good for her because this is something she's actually been talking about since she was in sixth grade. And so it was pretty amazing to see this all come to fruition. So you're saying you don't have smart children. (laughs) Just kidding. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Wow. Congratulations. And when you said that, I'm going to ask you something else, but I wanted to touch on, you said, I don't like saying proud. Why don't you like saying proud? Is that things that parents should not be saying? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I know it's, it's really hard to grasp that because we are proud in a way, but when we tell our children that we're proud of them, to me, there's judgment in there. So sometimes I'm proud of you. And sometimes I'm not proud of you then, as opposed to saying, oh my God, you must feel so proud of yourself. Or we can say, I can see you worked so hard on that, you know, or wow, looked like you really had a great time. Because then if they're like, say, even the simple thing, like they go out on the soccer field and they make a goal, right? So now, oh, I'm so proud of you. You made that goal. But the next time they don't score at all. And then they're not. And now my parent isn't proud of me anymore. Like it's subtle, but I think it's worth thinking about as a parent because our words like matter so much. And I'm also not big on providing a lot of that positive reinforcement stuff through external in an external way. Like, and so you're such a great job and, you know, you're the best. And like, it doesn't help the child get that internal self-esteem and validation for for themselves. 
So our preschool, we are, I'm so blessed to have a preschool that teaches a lot of parenting things. They have parenting classes. We had one, the step class, the positive discipline, the siblings without rivalry. And one of the things they talk about a lot is praise versus encouragement. And so like not saying good job. And so, but I guess I didn't see the nuance in the proud part. So I think when I thought like encouragement, like encouraging, you're right about that. Like saying proud is almost like saying good job. So what are ways that we can, I guess, encourage and use our words that aren't just like, you must have worked hard. Like, I feel like I say that a lot. Like when they're like, look at mommy, look what I did with my artwork. I'm like, oh, wow. What do you think? You know, you must've worked hard. But then I feel like I just keep repeating that. Like you worked hard, you worked hard. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. And I'm afraid that I might be saying that too much where he can't do anything without working hard. Yeah. So you don't have to say that. Like if you saw, like if he built this huge thing out of Legos and blocks and whatever, he probably did work hard on that. You know, if he brings you a piece of art, that's okay. He probably didn't work that hard on it. And so my thing is rather than having to give the approval and the praise we show interest and so and engage. And so with that piece of art, it can be, oh, wow, tell me about this. Tell me, what were you thinking when you were making this? Wow, the colors that you used are really a cool combination. What made you pick those? And so mm. instead of like, oh, wow, you worked hard on that, or that's great. To me, those are rather dismissive, right? And so like, yeah, okay, now get out of my way. But the engagement in the conversation, I think is more helpful. Uh, so let's go back. Sorry. I, I digress. Let's go back to your family. So you said you had two kids. What's kind of your family structure right now? My husband and I are home and my daughter's in Chicago and my son is in Philadelphia. He's a junior in college. So that's where that's we like are. Being empty nesters. Yeah. You know, my daughter's coming home for a few weeks in like two weeks. So that'll be nice. And you know, it's easier for us to drive down to Philly and see my son. And, but yeah, we're the summer. We probably won't be, but yeah, we're kind of empty nesters <laughs> because it's good things and it's bad parts to it. Yeah. Well, so going back to a little bit about parenting, the last year obviously has been extremely hard for parents. Like, doesn't matter if you have young kids, older kids, whatever that might be with the clients you work with. And I loved your article, by the way, on the pandemic anniversary and things, you know, the resiliency and the lessons learned and stuff that really like hit home. And so I was curious, like of the clients that you're working with, like, what do you, what did you see as like the top problems that have emerged in parenting over the last year? Are they things that have always, you know, been problems over the last, you know, 20 years in your craft or whatnot, or are there new things that are emerging and how can we kind of confront those like any trends? Yeah, I would say that the problems, the issues have always been there. However, you know, a lot of them, but they got worse. And so one of the things that I like to tell parents off the bat, because I like to kind of get sort of a shift in the way we think about what we do as parents. And so one of my favorite lines is parenting is not an 18 year engineering project. <laughs> and yes, that little chuckle is the response I get all the time because it's not something we think about, but when we do, we chuckle because we've got that. Oh yeah, I do kind of do that. And it's, it's hard not to until you think about it. And 
the engineering thing is making sure that my kids are doing the best that they can, that they're getting the best possible education, coaching, music lessons, on and on and the best, you know, and most nutritious food. They're getting enough sleep They're, You know, I mean, it's everything that we can do to put them at being able to excel, which isn't a bad thing. However, you can't engineer a human being. And when you do, you come up against a lot of conflict. And, you know, not only do you feel badly, but your child feels badly. They're not measuring up. They're not, they don't want to do the things that you want them to do. They may have different goals and different things that, you know, they may have different desires and interests than what we want them to have. And so this year, a lot of that engineering stuff kind of had to stop, like school changed. This was not a stellar academic year for anybody. And so the fear of, oh my God, like now it's really going to be bad. My kid's never going to measure up. Right. Or they like are behind in sports because they weren't able to practice. They're not going to get that college scholarship. Not like I know people who hire tutors and things. And I'm like, your kids in kindergarten, they'll live. Why do they need a tutor outside of this? And they're like, oh, they're going to be so behind if we don't keep up because they're being at home. And so I'm wondering, I'm wondering if it's a mix of also the parents these days for at least younger kids were all kind of the millennial parents who were given the trophy. We were, I, I always feel like we're the trophy generation where everyone got a prize on the soccer field, no matter what it's a participation prize. There's like no competition. Right. And so I'm wondering if it's the parenting style because of the way we were raised, or if it's, there's just so much competition these days of people wanting their kids to do everything. And I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I think you're right about the competition thing. And I think, you know, the, I say 18 year engineering project because the goal of the engineering project is getting into a good college college. thinking if your child gets into a good college, they're going to get a good job. They're going to do well and they're going to have a happy life. And you know what? That is so not true. And so I like to pull back from that engineering thing and say, hey, you know what? All that stuff is nice. But if your child isn't resilient, it doesn't have, it can't be self-reliant, doesn't have good coping mechanisms and good problem-solving skills, everything's out the window, you know? And so they're not going to be happy in the sense that they're not going to be able to handle things that are difficult. If you do buy into the help kids become self-reliant, resilient with good problem-solving skills and good coping mechanisms piece, then they will. They'll go out into the world and you will know with confidence, as will they, that they can handle whatever it is life throws at them. And they could, whether it's them losing their job or you know, breaking a leg or all of them getting, you know, some breaks up with you. Like there's stuff, bad stuff happens. Like that's just part of life. Things are going to be difficult. You're going to have experienced disappointment and it, you know, any kind of adversity and frustration and sadness and worry and all that stuff is so normal. And so if we allow our kids to have those feelings, right, and we validate them and we help them learn to get through it then everything else sort of is okay. I'm curious because for younger kids, I feel like it's easier to start implementing these tools and tactics and strategies because they're young and it's like we haven't missed the boat. 
to those who might have a little bit of older kids, maybe now teenagers, what are some of your suggested like methods and stuff to start implementing? Or what's like one thing they can do today? One phrase they can change one. What's one parenting thing they could change today as having a teenager or whatnot? Oh, such a good question. Thank you for asking that. (laughs) I would say the number one thing that you can do for your teenager is to stop giving unsolicited advice. And so your kid has a problem, is upset about something. Yeah, I hear you. That must be really frustrating. I can see what, you know, what a bummer. God, you know, I would feel the same way can say, is there anything I can do to support you? Or you just give them a hug? Or what do you think you could do differently next time? But do you want to brainstorm some ideas together, but not, well, why don't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Maybe next time you should do this. All of that sounds to your teenager like judgment. Mm -hmm. They're hearing I didn't do all these things my mom or dad just told me. And so I'm a loser. And that really is the thought process that goes through there. And instead of just like, they are pretty smart, these kids. And so when something doesn't go well, they can pretty much figure out what they need to do to fix it. And if they can't and they're having trouble, then ask if they want advice. Ask if they, but I even prefer the brainstorming because it's really forcing them to come up with the ideas. And coming from the parent point of view, sometimes the parents feel like, oh, that's like too passive. Like they don't know any better or they don't, you know, they haven't experienced this. And I know like as a parent, you want to give that unsolicited advice, which you need to restrain. I, I realize that. But then on the other hand, How do you approach it where you're not just being so passive and you're like, I'm here if you need me, but what if they really do, but they don't know how to ask? I feel like a lot of teenagers are tending to, they'll revert to social media or their friends or they'll internalize because they're afraid to ask for help. Yeah. Well, having the open communication by validating how they feel and not getting angry or in some way communicating negative judgment about what happened then they're going to feel it's okay to talk to you about it. But if your kid comes to you and says something that happened and the teacher was mean and took them down a grade or wouldn't let them play, you know, wouldn't let them in practice or whatever, our first reaction is normally going to be, well, what did you do? Right. We're going to, we just assume it was our child that somehow screwed up. And why was it, why would a kid want to hear that from their parent? Right. As opposed to, oh my God, that's terrible. That must, you must've felt so badly about that. And instead like making that emotional connection with them saying, I hear you, I get it. Not anything to do with you messed up, right? We're just saying, yeah, thinking in your head. Yeah. You've messed up and that sucks, you know, but we don't need to say it's like sticking the knife in and, and turning it, you know, or adding salt to a wound, Like, you know, and then the kid gets mad and like, oh, you don't understand. And they stomp upstairs and they slam the door, which we don't want. Right. (laughs) We want them to say, oh, you know, feel like, wow, my mom or dad, they get me. They understand how I feel. And then if you don't like, if you're feeling so passive about it, then say, do you want to talk about some ideas of how to handle this? Or do you have it? I'm happy to discuss them with you and you can do what feels comfortable to you and try that. 
Would you suggest sharing a personal story, not advice, but like mm-hmm. something that happened to you that was similar or is that? Yeah, sure. Like- Say, you know, this happened to me and this is how I handled it. I don't know, but you have to kind of add like, this may not be something you're comfortable with. It worked for me. You know I mean? We're all yeah. wired so differently. What works for me doesn't necessarily work for my kids. That's they're not, that's they're been my parenting not. philosophy with everything, you know, breastfeed, don't breastfeed. I'm like, you know, whatever works for you, like take what works, discard the rest. You know, your kids best, you know, your body best, like do what's best for you. But here are some things that have worked for others. Try it. If it doesn't. Try it. Then- and you know what? And it's the same, like we can't, expect our kids to be like us. I mean, my daughter asked to play the piano and take lessons. And, you know, I was so happy about that because I love to play the piano. And then there came a time where she just wasn't so into it. And it was like practicing to her was sort of a drag. And I'm like, why, why don't you like practicing? You know, what is it? And, and she's like, mom, I like, it's okay, but I don't like it the way you like it. And that was literally that moment. And this is where this tip came in my book is your child is not a mini me. Hmm. And I like, literally I thought, oh yeah, that was such a great like wake up call reminder for me. And so I backed off completely. And how are you with your son? Is parenting your daughter very different than parenting your son? Or how do you, do you see differences? Yeah, I don't know. It's just because he's my son son. I think he's just a different human being. He's a kid that does not like to be told what to do and never did and never wanted to feel like he was boxed into anything. And so even with like swimming lessons, he would say we would be on our way to swimming. I don't want to go swimming today. And I could have gone through a whole long list of why it's important to swim and why we're taking these lessons and da, 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 da. And instead I'm like, it's okay. You don't have to swim today if you don't want to. You have to put your bathing suit on and you can need to sit by the side of the pool and you can watch. But if you don't want to go in the water and you don't want to swim, that's okay. And we weren't allowed in the pool area, but he would always say, make sure you tell the teacher. And I always did. And inevitably he always went in, but it was on his terms. He wanted control over it. And I gave that to him. And I think forcing a kid like that to do something just creates such a negative around it. And at a young age too, I see that already. It just creates, it's a power struggle. Mm -hmm. And on some sides, like they would, like parents would say, oh, I couldn't like give him that choice because then it just teaches him that, you know, he doesn't have to do whatever he doesn't want to do. But on the other hand, I love how you didn't just say, okay, we'll turn around and go home. We won't go. I love that you went, you made him get ready and you just gave him the choice of you can go in the pool or you can stay out of the pool, but he was still at the pool. So I love that because I think most people would think, okay, you don't want to go swimming. We'll stay home. And then he, he quote wins but I like how it's almost like a win-win situation with you got him to the pool and it was his choice now, whether he went in or not. So I like that. I wanted to go back to where you said run upstairs, slam the door or like going up to the kid and saying like, what did you do wrong? 
I feel like I do that with my younger kids. And so I'm wondering how you can approach that differently. So for example, my son, like my daughter will start crying. She's two. And I know he did something like he probably hit her with a ball by accident or he did something. Of course, the first place I go to is what did you do to her this time? Because he's always accidentally like hitting her, hurting her. He's like, he's a boy, lots of energy. And he'll get angry and be like, why do you always yell at me and run upstairs and slam his door? So same thing as a teenager. But reasoning, I feel like with a five-year-old, as I always call the little terrorist, which I probably shouldn't, (laughs) versus a teenager is different because a teenager can actually mentally comprehend things. How do you deal with something like that with younger kids? Kind of the same way, actually, because, I mean, you said he's five? Yeah. Yeah, so does he... He probably knows what happened, but if he's not, if you truly believe that he's not doing it on purpose, then that's a really good conversation to have. I mean, my mother used to say, when I used to say to her, you know, I didn't do it on purpose. And she goes, well, do it not on purpose. You know, don't do it on, or, you know, and it, I like hated that. It was so annoying to me, but I think there's a better way to communicate that is say, you know what? I love your energy and I love how you use your space all around you, but not everybody, you know, you just have to be a little more conscious of other people and say, like, imagine if everybody who was in your room or your space and everyone just took over, you know, wouldn't that, you know, can you imagine but with a smile on your face, not like, can you imagine what that would be like? More it's like, wow, what do you think that would look like? You know, if everyone put out their arms and just started spinning around and it would be like bumper cars for kids, but without the bumper car to protect you, right? And so almost giving him that vision that he needs to create his own bumper around himself and around other people in the area. So, and maybe do it with toys or dolls or just to help him see that, but also kind of celebrating his energy at the same time, because then it doesn't become judgmental. He doesn't need to feel bad about who he is, but it's giving him some parameters and some help and then practice it, practice it with you. Like sit down where you're daughter might be and say, pretend I'm her and let's do this together. I think you said something though, key and important that we as parents forget is it's the tone and the delivery of how you do it. So the way you kind of like said it where don't say it like this, which sound naggy and stuff. I think that's how I end up delivering it instead of saying it. And you had the perfect tone. And so I think <laughs> I was like, you have the perfect parent voice. Like it's so calm and it feels very inviting over judgmental and naggy. So I think that's like really something important that I I'm taking away from this. I was in my, we have a little apartment in the city and we were there over the weekend and our neighbors who have like a two-year-old, they just had another baby and they invited me into their apartment to see the baby and their daughter didn't want me in there and was very protective of the baby. And so the dad was out in the hallway with me and she was out there and she was like pushing me away. And I knew exactly what was going on. And I didn't like, I, and I got that. And instead I turned it because I also like want to have a nice relationship with her. It's adorable. And you know, and I'm like, wow, you're really strong. You know, come on, let's do that. Can you push me down the hall? 
you know, or then we like, we're against the door. I'm like, come on, push me against the door. And I like, we turned it into a game and then she was laughing and then we were friends. And so it's how you see what's going on and turn it around. Which is a lesson for all humans right now in general, yeah. <laughs> not just parents, yeah. <laughs> but that makes a lot of sense. I wanted to ask in your book, cause you give 101 strategies. Yeah, what okay. is your favorite <laughs> strategy in the book? My favorite tip is number one, it's say yes with joy. And apparently that's why it's number one. <laughs> and it doesn't mean say yes all the time, right? Cause that's ridiculous. But if you know, you're going to say yes, if you know that this is something that you've got to do to help your child or that you're going to do it, don't go through the like, <sighs> fine, give me five minutes right now you're feeling like this thing you're going to do is a drag, right? So you don't feel good about it. And your child is like, doesn't feel so good about it either. But if you know, you're going to do it and you go, Oh, sure, sweetie, I'd love to, I just need five minutes to finish up what I'm doing. And then I can't wait to do that with you, or I'm happy to, I swear to you, it will change the way you feel about the thing you're doing, and it will become more enjoyable. It will be pleasurable. It will be fun. You're doing that to your, it's, it, you're really turning it around in such a way, whether it driving your kids somewhere or helping them with a project or cooking them something. Like, honestly, I used to feel like this, I was, I felt put upon. And as soon as I changed and I still do it, even with my kids at their ages, if they ask me to do them a favor, help them with something, I'm so happy to do it if I can. And if I know they need me to. Yeah. Well, and I think right now, a lot of parents are kind of not resentful, but say the like, you know, I want to eat this for breakfast. I'm hungry. Can I have a snack? And the parents are like, oh, another thing. Like it's hard for them to slap on all. Yes, honey. I would love to provide you. I'd love to cook you pancakes or whatnot. Are there any other things besides like trying to say yes with joy that parents can do to mentally make themselves turn those situations more positive? Yeah. And you know what? And I don't mean like you don't have to make them pancakes for breakfast if that's what they ask for. And that doesn't work for you. Right. Like you don't if you need a quick breakfast, a grab and go, then that doesn't work. And you can't say yes to it. And that's okay. But a lot of these like the everyday, the things that they're constantly asking you for. What we can do is empower them to be able to do some of those things on their own. And so if they think I need a snack, I want a snack, I want a snack, I want a snack, create some snacks, help them, have them help you do it with a snack bag of peanuts and raisins or chocolate covered almonds or whatever they are and have little snack bags available for them to grab one or cut up some fruit or wash up some berries or cheese and crackers to have these little things that they can help you make So they're in the fridge for the whole week or in the snack cabinet, and then they have access to them and you're done. And you're teaching them a skill to prepare ahead. You're helping their learning. They could be counting, let's put 10 chocolate covered almonds in each bag. Now they're counting and they're learning something from it. And I mean, there's a lot of benefits to them helping you to do it, but then they also feel empowered. And I think that's important. And then they'll be able to do them on their own eventually too. 
Yeah. Well, so I guess to kind of wrap this up, I could ask you parenting questions all day. I love your (laughs) insights. And the best thing about your book is just, it's so it's like simple strategies instead of having to read this like long novel of like all these stories. I think that's hard when you read parenting books and they're so long and I'm like, I can't get through a full chapter but I love how they're like quick things that I feel like, I feel like you need note cards. You need like flashcards, like let's pick one for the day or something like that. Yeah. yeah, just, it's really, and you know what? It's also really, you know, obviously from our conversation, you can tell I really hate anything that's judgmental. Yes. It's very non-judgmental. And you know, as if you don't like one of the tips, if it doesn't resonate at the moment, so don't do it. Try something else. Like it's okay. Everything, you don't have to do everything in the book. And it's also the kind of thing, like put it on your shelf and then a year from now, pick it up again. As your children grow, if they're, you know, toddlers now, and then grade school and tweens and teens, the tips still work. They just change a little bit. You'll think about them a little bit differently, but they'll always be good reminders. Yeah. Well, to wrap it up, I'm curious, what is your superpower that you gained once you became a mom? Oh, wow. Well, when I first became a mom, the, it was the physical superpower of being able to provide sustenance to my children. And I honestly, like for me, that was a very heady kind of thing. Like it was weird and crazy. And then I think I just became a much more empathetic person. I would say, I I think it's my empathy grew. I really tried to think about how they felt about situations and not so much about how it affected me, but more how I could help them through these situations and just understand. Which seems like kind of also the premise of your book and everything is how can I help them? You know, how can I, I I like that. Like, how can I help them learn to help themselves? Right. Like, (laughs) what is that like expression? Like give a man a, you know, a fish or teach a man to fish. Yes, exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining today. Where can we find you online? My website is theparentingmentor.com. My book is available everywhere online. And on April 4th, it will be on shelves in Target. You can go on my website again and look for the book. My podcast will be starting, I think, April 1st, and it's called The Parenting Mentor Podcast. I offer a download of my book. I'm I'm putting up a new offer of five helpful tips of how to get through parenting during COVID. And on Instagram, I'm the parenting mentor tips almost daily. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining today. I appreciate you being here. Oh, thanks. It's great. You know, I love talking about this stuff and helping. So thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time.